Has anyone ever made a weapon that wasn't used? The network's been built. It's up. It grows or it dies. We've waited long enough. You realize what you set in motion? It was time for that as well. Palpatine won't hesitate now. Exactly. We need it. We need the fear. We need them to overreact. You can't be serious. The Empire has been choking us so slowly we're starting not to notice. The time has come to force their hand. People will suffer. That's the plan. Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar. Welcome to the 178th Cassian Choking episode of Mandovision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small independent Star Wars podcast. We are so glad you're here. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, on social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, share, and follow this show with all the Mandalorians that are in your covert. How is everyone doing? It has happened once again. A new episode of Andor has dropped, and we are here to talk about it first thing in the morning. Well, maybe not first thing in the morning, but in the morning, after we've watched and, and pondered and, and thought deeply on, on what we just witnessed, we're here to discuss the new episode of Andor. And let me tell you, I was absolutely delighted with this episode. Again, there's, there's sort of a... Not concern is not the wrong word. I'm sorry, concern is the wrong word. Uh, but again, after a big episode like last week's, you know, the big heist comes to uh, comes to the fore, and we spend a lot of time getting into that, diving into that, focusing on that very singular experience. I mean, you know, 99% of that episode was about the heist and everything going on with it, going wrong with it, and 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 uh, sort of the immediate aftermath of like you know skiing trying to rip everybody off focus on it with, with a singular vision uh to, and then we roll into this episode and it's sort of be like what's the fallout going to be like you know obviously we're going to take a breath we're not going to be in another wall-to-wall action-based episode of the show at least that was sort of my thought going into it and that was right but what we got uh in the, in the episode titled an announcement was pretty thought-provoking in, in, in sort of the response that all the characters have to the heist on Aldahani. Aldahani heist has just changed the game 
as as Luthen tells us, it's an announcement. It, it's sort of a proclamation. The rebellion has begun, and all of our principal characters, from Cyril Karn to Deidre Marrow to to Andian, Cassie Nandor, Mon Mothma, all of them. And this is an episode where this this really strong ensemble cast that we have. Um, we get to sort of see their perspectives on things and, and, and sort of process things in a very different way as they are processing and, and, and going through their things that they're going through. They really get a chance to kind of come out and get a little bit of the spotlight in this episode. Not that casting doesn't have a lot to do in it, uh, particularly in, in the back half of the show, but everyone gets a lot, gets a good chunk of time to react and, and, and process what's happened on, on Aldhani right now. And it's it's a really... Really smartly written episode, uh, which again we haven't gone into the particulars just yet, but I, I want to give kind of special credit to uh, the writer of this episode is Stephen Schiff, and I assume he's he's going to be the principal writer for this next probably three episode arc of the show. And uh, when I saw his name flash across the credits, I, I I sort of did like a double take. I was like, wait, I know that name. Why do I know that name? Uh, so I, I went onto the internet and, and did my googling. And yes, indeed, uh, uh, he is from. He is a writer from one of my favorite television shows uh, of of recent times, and, and that would be The Americans, a show that I loved on FX more than anything. I was all into that show. That was a show that had an amazing level of detail and, and spycraft work into it. And this is really like one of the one of the biggest episodes of Andor so far, where we're seeing that spycraft come into play here. You know, with the uh, Signals for for meetups and dead drops and all these other things that that you want to see in a spycraft kind of show. We're getting those elements in this episode, and it's so delightful. So I, I don't want to spend too much time gushing about uh, 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 Stephen Stephen Schiff's uh, writing abilities, but the, just know that uh, you're in capable hands for a guy who's going to deliver you some some really stellar spycraft stuff. And and the fact that he you know worked so prominently on a show. Like the Americans, that was set in the you know in the in the early to mid '80s, when you know technology was very different. I think it's very appropriate. He he sort of already has an appropriate skill set level because again, the the rebellion is going to be doing things um, in a very DIY fashion. You know, it's going to be low tech. It's going to be like these things, like we said, like secret meetups and signals, sigils on walls, sigils on on, on the ground, dead drop locations. You know, very classic spycraft stuff, and I'm here for it. I can't wait. I want more. Gimme, gimme more. But we're going to talk about all these things uh, that happened in the episode. We're going, to, we're going to kind of go back to what we did in our episode five breakdown. We're going to kind of focus on each character, uh, our, our principal characters, if you will. Uh, and actually, we get a chance to highlight some some of the uh, lesser known characters at this point in, in the series, series too, which will be a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to it. Let's get into it right now. What do you say? So, our particulars for this week's episode, and or episode 7, Announcement. Original air date today, October 19th, 2022. Written by Stephen Schiff of The Americans. Directed by Benjamin Caron, Benjamin Caron, I believe is how you say that. Our plot for this week's episode. Oh, the fallout from Aldhani. From the Aldhani heist is swift and seismic. Shaking the Imperial Security Bureau on Coruscant into action and prompting more intrigue for Senator Mon Mothma. Meanwhile, Cassian Andor returns home to find a much-changed Ferrix. Our principal cast this week, once again, Diego Luna as Cassian Andor. We got Stellan Skarsgård. We got Genevieve O'Reilly and a wonderful cast of characters around them. Uh, I don't... I gotta... I, because this cast has such an ensemble, I really gotta start writing down 
everybody's names. <laughs> but we get to see more from Elizabeth uh, Dulao in this episode, which is really nice. Uh, she has some, some fun things to do here because uh, as we get to see a little bit more of uh, of Akila in play and one of many great characters in this ensemble cast. So uh, just enjoy everyone's performances. They're so, so good. All right, we'll be back. You know, oh, geez, Louise, you know what that means. <laughs> it's time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. The following measures will be adopted empire-wide as of today. A tribute tax equal to five times the amount stolen from Aldani will be levied on any sector harboring partisan activity. We will make it clear that no one steals from the empire. The use of any local custom, festival or tradition as cover for rebel activity will trigger permanent revocation of imperial tolerance. I spoke with Emperor Palpatine last night and he's assured me that the ISB will be taking the lead going forward. No one in this room should have trouble accessing army or naval resources in future. The Emperor will be convening an emergency session of the Senate to propose a legislation package of bills and amendments that will free our hands in all matters of surveillance, search and seizure. We will be invoking the Public Order Resentencing Directive later today. P-O-R-D. Any criminal act with even indirect effect on the Empire will henceforth be branded a Class I offence. All prison sentences are immediately re-evaluated. All outstanding fines and levies are to be paid in full. So there you're hearing it straight from the horse's mouth. One of the higher uppity-ups at the ISB, who I've been trying to track down this character's name. I really was curious because if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, as we've covered Andor, I really would love them to to bring in uh, the, the the leader, the the uh, commander in charge of the ISB from the old Imperial, from the old expanded universe books, the uh, uh, Isard. That would be phenomenal. So I'm trying to find out if that's who that character is. But thus far, I have been unsuccessful in my endeavors to do so. But we are hearing from this character who has spoken directly to Emperor Palpatine, that the ISB is now being granted a, a bevy of wide-sweeping powers, search and seizure, surveillance, all these things. And again, now they, they now have access to cross-imperial uh, uh, databases and, and information and resources from the Army to the Navy and all across the boards, as, as well as uh, new criminal proceedings and sentencing structures as well. Everything that he's talking about in this, this, this monologue <laughs> if, if you want to call it that, uh, comes into play in this episode, particularly at the very end with the new stricter sentencing as, as Andor gets himself into a world of trouble uh, that he has basically caused himself by, be, by being a member of the, the heist on Alhani. And so everything that has just been laid out, we see executed, but maybe not in the ways that we think they're going to be uh, in particular because they've just given ISB agent Deidre Marrow uh, sort of the access that she needs to sort of prove her theory that she's been working on for the for the previous episodes of the, of the series that rebel activity is not independent and isolated; it's all connected, uh, and she's gonna be able to prove that very very soon in this episode. Uh, the episode opens with our good friend Silkarn uh, once again being chastised by his mother for uh, for 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 altering his clothes. 
And and this is something we've seen him do in, in the first episode when we were first introduced to him uh, when, when he's on the, the the when he's one of the corpos on, on Morlana One, you know, he took it upon himself to tailor his suit, uh, and and there's a really interesting bit of dialogue with his mother here about that, about how doing that uh, is 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 a move. It's a calculated move to draw attention to yourself uh, in this imperial world that's very much about blending in and being one of like the faceless, nameless drones that just goes about their business and does the the business of the empire without being an individual it, it's 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 sort of um i don't know it has it has a very um oh what writer do i want to pick for this for this reference <laughs> i guess we'll go with like tolstoy or dostoevsky dostoevsky my goodness Be, uh, you know sort of criticizing that again that that sort of society that that is not about individual achievement, and there's a very big, good comparison there to the Empire. Again, you're, you are simply a cog in the machine. You are one of many that makes the machine of the Empire go forward. And uh, again, Karn is chastised for his efforts to try and stand out. And it's interesting because he is such a believer in, in the Imperial Authority and, and doing the things that he's been raised to do by the book and, and, and in support of his Empire. But this sort of quest for individuality to sort of stand out amongst the drones and to sort of yearn for a station higher than himself uh, is, is very, very interesting. And and so I sort of wonder what will happen when he has the chance to kind of come into contact with either uh, Agent D. Romero or even, once again, with Cassian Andor. You know, we'll, how will his quest for self-identity and, and basically, you know, trying to, trying to elevate himself uh, – Either what what path will that put him on going forward? I'm really waiting to see how that shakes out for him. Now that we're in this this, this third this third um, arc of of the first season here, so I'm very very intrigued by it. Uh, throughout this uh, later on in this episode, we do see again we we go right into the into the the the, the bureaucratic hive, the bureaucratic beehive of the empire. As as his uncle Harlow has pulled these strings to get in that position that was that was talked about uh, you know a few episodes ago. And it's very drone-like. It is the Star Wars equivalent of office cubicles, and and, and you're just data pushing. You're 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 just again a cog in the machine. You're pushing buttons. You're checking numbers, and it looks like the absolute height of tedium, of boredom, of just I want to sit in this cubicle and slit my wrists as soon as humanly possible. But they've taken all sharp objects away from me because I must process the data. It it just looks like a miserable existence and 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 again karn seems to have a uh loftier opinion of himself that he is um, worthy of more opportunity more advancement uh, and he wants again he sort of wants to be if if you know again he he wants to be a cog in the machine but he wants to be his own cog in the machine not one of many <laughs> so it's very very interesting and i want to know if his perspective on things will change uh throughout this experience but his uncle Harlow has pulled the strings. We don't know much about this Harlow, but he's obviously some sort of he's got some pull. Whether he's in the Imperial Navy, a higher up in the Senate, uh, in Palpatine's inner circle, who is to say at this point? But very, very interesting. And so, so Karn plugs himself in to the the the, the faceless drone-led beehive of Imperial bureaucracy, and it's it's oh, it just looks dreadful to me. So very, very dreadful. Now I want to shift our focus to 
ISB agent operative <laughs> officer. I think that might be the better word uh, for Deidre Mero because uh, I don't know what it is about this character, but I really find this part of season one story to be really fascinating. I sort of love this look inside the Empire. Uh, and, and and the ISB, I think, is a wonderful place to kind of do it because it's it sort of has uh, these KGBSS kind of vibes to it in a sense. But there's all this like office politics going on. There's there's you know the the, the corporate ladder climbing that we've seen in in pre previous episodes. The way she's uh, squared off against Blevins in the past. Uh, all these elements uh, are really in, come to the fore in this episode in a, in a really wonderful way. And, you know, the reason I know it was a big chunk of time for the episode, but one of the reasons why we played that entire thing with the uh, commander of the ISB laying out the groundwork for all these new powers that the ISB has is because Marrow is the one who uses them to her benefit. You know, as, as we sort of addressed early in the episode, you know, she uses this new all-powerful uh, executive order to to requisition all the data that she needs from every system in the galaxy when it pertains to the theft of Imperial hardware, weapons, technology, all these things. And she's the one who's able to sort of realize that this is an organized attack against the Empire. And I'm really digging this storyline. And then Blevins tries to call her out for it, and he gets slapped down by her. And 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 it's 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 uh, Major Partagas supports her on this because he she's showing initiative. She is uh, kind of taking taking the bull by the horns, and uh, um, yeah, and and so so Blevins gets gets the Ferrix system stripped from him. He, he he's no longer overseeing it because Marrow has has shown that something's going on, and Ferrix is part of it, and I need to be involved with Ferrix. So now. It gets reassigned to her. And and again, I'm jumping ahead in the episode, but I'm, I'm trying to focus on the character stuff in this episode. So let's go back to the very beginning when we're first hanging out with, with Mero. And, and all these new executive orders, these new powers for the ISB are being laid out. And and as far and, and not just for the ISB, but the sort of wide sweeping galactic changes that are that are being uh, levied in response to the heist on Aldhani. All right. Aldhani heist happens. And the Empire's coming after systems that harbor partisans that come, that that use. Uh, there will there will be repercussions for for uh, cultural expressions and celebrations and festivals if they're used as part of a con, a scam, a, a heist against the Empire. There will be punishments on these people. Again, all these things that we know about the Empire come are they're 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 not being subtle anymore. And I think that's what 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 Luthen Rael wanted. And it's Deidre Marrow who sees that. So let's go ahead and play this, this exchange right after uh, the, the meeting that announces all these white sweeping changes. Check it out. You're not pleased. We're playing straight into their hands. Whose hands? The rebels. This is exactly what they want. We're treating what happened at Aldani like a robbery. What would you call it? An announcement. Boom! There it is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she gets it. She she she's seeing the bigger picture here that there's a lot more going on. Um. And and again, 
the parts with this character, I, I just, there's just something about it I find completely fascinating, and, and and whether it's 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 the weird bureaucracy in play, the office politics of the whole situation. Because again, she slaps down Blevins's claims against her. Major Partigas supports her, uh, and then he warns her to watch her back because Blevins will now be after her, and there may be other ISB officers in that room coming after her now too because they're seeing that now she started to gain some favor she's getting some traction she's moving up the food chain and that will upset many of them one of the one of the there, there was a great reference uh to again i don't know the name of the officer i don't know if they've given this officer a name uh but he's in charge of the sector that contains ord mantel uh and i thought that was a very interesting that he was sort of illuminating that he's having some real troubles in ord mantel now, again, the timelines may not gel a thousand percent just yet, but who do we know has been operating out of, out of Ward Mantel uh, in, in the time between episode three and episode four? The Bad Batch. Maybe there's a connection. Maybe there's not. But Ord Mantel, there's a lot going on at Ord Mantel. It's a, it's a crazy place. And maybe 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 the Bad Batch is involved. Maybe it's not. But it's kind of fun to pretend that it, that maybe the Bad Batch is given this, uh, this ISB officer a headache that that's kind of fun for me to think about so i, I like to get a nice ord mantel reference uh, in this episode as well uh now let's let's kind of shift back because our next sequence is what we open the show with it's it's mon mothma arriving at, at luthan rail shop uh, returning one of the artifacts that she procured from him uh in, er, earlier in the season uh and it's, it's 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 again it's all a pretense for for having a meeting uh with luthan because mon mothma wants to know if he was behind the Altani heist. And yeah, they have a very strong conversation about it. And and basically he he tells her, he's like, you knew this was coming. You know, it's time to um <laughs> it's it's time for action. I guess is the, the nicest way I could put it. There's some other expressions I could uh put in there, but it's time to make things happen. And and Luthen talks about it. He mentions it. You know, she's freaking out. She's upset because Palpatine's reacting. The Empire's reacting. And they're going to levy these things against the people, and people will suffer. And she doesn't want to see that suffering. But Luthan knows that that he says it in that line of dialogue, that the Empire's been choking us so slowly that we don't even notice anymore. Uh, and now the Empire's going to start choking you a lot harder and for a lot longer. And people are going to notice. And people are going to push back. Like This is going to start to... You're going to start to see the ground swell. Of, of opposition people will start to rise up there will be unrest across the galaxy on, on different planets on different fronts because of imperial policies that will come to pass because uh, there will now be conflict there will now be an opposition and the empire is going to try and snuff that out as best they can and they're going to make the people suffer in order to do so uh, it, it's 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 a classic tactic. We we've seen it in a million stories, a million movies, a million different things. Like this is the response of the overarching villainous regime is is to make the people suffer. But by making the people suffer, you inspire them to rebel. And and Luthen knows that, and that's his whole plan. And Mon Mothma may not agree, but action had to be taken. The, now was the time. You know, it, it's been it's been what fifteen years. Uh, the time for action was now. The the he says that the network is built. It either grows or it dies. 
it, it, it's time for this rebellion to get some legs under it. And it, and it sort of sounds like, in, in, in a sense, like Luthen may have been the one to sort of start the fire here with the with the with the Aldhani heist and kind of bringing the, those elements together to get this heist, to get this payroll, to fund the rebellion. But I think he very much sees it as as something that has to learn how to sustain itself. I think he knows that his time with it will be limited. Uh, that that he may be caught and exposed at some point, and he may die. Uh, being caught and exposed, or he may die in another way in, in his fight against the Empire. And I'm really intrigued to get to see what Luthen's story is. Like, why is he, is, does he feel this way? Why are, what are his motivations? What made him choose this course of action? I really want to get into his backstory. I really want to see what it is. Um, and I'd love for it to be something just unexpected. You know, not necessarily... Uh, a, a character who is is, is swept up in, in, in necessarily in, in like a family tragedy and in, in loss of loved ones, because I mean I, that's a great motivator. And but we've seen it before. I wouldn't. I'd like to see something a little bit different with with Luthen's um, actions. I suppose I I, I want to see his origin story be maybe maybe tweaked a little bit, a little bit different than the conventional. My loved ones have been taken from me by the Empire. I think there could be more a, a, a fun a new fun way to do that and kind of show him as a different ideal uh, different uh a different kind of radical i suppose if you will <laughs> and and i'm i'm very intrigued by it we also get from this uh i'm sorry we also get from mon mothma's section of the episode uh, we get to see mon mothma living that elitist lifestyle living that with the upper crust and the 1% and she's meeting. She's got this. She's got this fancy dinner party going on at her at her house. It's it's a whole hullabaloo, hubbub, sh- uh, soiree, whatever you want to call it. It's fancy. It's fancy, and I wasn't invited because I don't have clothes that nice, and uh, that's okay. <laughs> she we we see Mon meeting up with a, a childhood friend of hers from Shandrilla, a, a, a man by the name of Tay Coma, who we find out is a banker. And this is the person she alluded to several episodes ago that she wanted to kind of bring into the fold uh, because she's being watched. Her driver is an ISB plant. All of her communications are being watched. Her husband, her husband might even be spying on her. That's sort of what I got from this, this party because uh, a parent is around schmoozing with other people, but he's always sort of got an eye out. Like, where's Mon? Who's Mon talking to? What's Mon doing right now? So, and, and she says it, parent's not to be trusted. Now she may be referring directly to the information that she relays to to take Homa, but I think there may be more to it than that. I think Perrin may be out to expose her. <laughs> he like he wants to watch her and, and rat her out if she's does if she does anything anti Empire. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm reading into, into some of the, the the looks he was casting about the room, but that was sort of the vibe I got. But yeah, so so take Homa is is the individual that that. Mon Mothma had discussed to Luthen Rail about bringing into the fold uh, to help sort of loosen the, the restrictions on, on her purse strings of, of getting some funding, some funding for this rebellion. You know, Mon's been trying to move money around from her personal fortune to, to help the, the rebellion, but she's being watched. All eyes are on her. So she wants to bring uh, take Homa into the fold to help set up one of Mon's many charitable organizations uh, where they think she's just trying to be a do-gooder and, and support, uh, I think she calls them, I think she, I think she said something along the lines of uh, people see her as someone who supports separatist do-gooders. And, and so like she's just kind of quickly written off for not embracing the, um, ooh, just the, 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 
the greed that the Empire has, has bestowed upon the already wealthy. Uh, she seems to be the one kind of ruffling the feathers a little bit, but that's why they're watching her because they're worried that she hasn't bought all in. And and I like that she she takes Tay into her confidence to an extent and says, you know, tells him that this is a facade. There's more going on here than than you know. But let's not get into specifics here. I just need your help with this organization I'm putting together. We're gonna do some charity work. I need you to move some money around. That's gonna be simple as that. But can Tay Coma be trusted, right? He he expresses that he has um Political tastes that may not be Demond's liking, he sort of paints himself as a bit of an uh, extremist, a bit of an anti-empire guy. But again, we seem to be shifting into the spycraft element of the story, where Mon Mothma, a character who, rightfully so, is probably very paranoid about who she can talk to and who she can be herself around. So who are the betrayers? Who are the ones who will uh, inform on her? Who are the collaborators? Uh, that this is where we're gonna get into some real. I think this is where I think we're gonna get some really good spy crafty stuff, and I can't wait to see how it all kind of shakes out some more. Uh, but she takes a big risk bringing bringing Tay into this picture. Luthen's warned her against it, but she she wants to help fund this. She wants to subvert the empire and and its policies and its plans, and she's trying to do it in her way. Uh, Luthen is is a bit more overt. He's a bit more. I think he has a bit more in line with. Uh, Saw Gerrera type people, right? And as we know, Saw Gerrera will be on the show. So I think he falls more into that um, man of action category or person of action category as opposed to Mon, who is still trying to use what she considers to be the proper channels and the proper methodology while still funding an uprising of some sort. But I think she, I think in Mon's mind, it'll be more of a more of a political upheaval than uh, a, a armed revolution, you know? And, and I think we'll get a chance to dive into that, that some more. So some, some interesting stuff in that conversation. Uh, and again, very telling that she tells Takehoma not to trust Perrin. So we, we'll see how this kind of shakes out with them. But again, a little bit more of a peek into Mon's life, uh, her relationship with her husband, which is even worse than maybe I thought it was when we first started the show. Uh, her daughter shows up, and, and again, not quite sure what role the daughter will play moving forward here. She seems to be just a bit of a unhappy teen at this point. But again, I think there may be some more to that. We'll, we'll see how that all kind of shakes out. Um, and since we were talking about Mon and, Lu- and Luthen, they kind of go hand in hand at this point. We'll also mention, again, more spycraft stuff here because uh, 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 from this great ensemble cast, we get to see uh, 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 Kila, Kila Meriki. Luthen's concierge at the at the antiques shop. Uh, she gets to kind of step out here a little bit and, and make her way through Coruscant again, employing elements of spycraft. You know, carefully concealed markings on the on the ground for directions, for 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 a secret meeting uh, with Vel, who has uh, sort of collected herself after the Altani heist, and and is now making contact. And I'm going to go ahead and play a, a big a, a bit of that conversation here because. Uh, some very interesting information comes out, is shared, is expressed, uh, and it's things that we got to talk about. So let's go ahead and check that out right now. Where is he? I shouldn't even be here. Neither of us should. The money's safe. We know. It's been moved already. You've done exceptional work. It's the trawler we're more worried about. 
It's buried, gone for good. You sure? Yes. He read your message. I really thought he'd be here. Every loss is different. Everyone's the same. I recruited Taramin myself. Nemec, go on, they'll all be remembered. That's it. He had doubts about schemes, one less thing to worry about. You heard from Sinta? She's doing what she was told. Now, receiving messages is just as dangerous as sending them. You should keep that in mind. We have a loose end. Cassian Andor, who you know is Clem. You need to find him. Find him? We can't have him walking around with Luthen in his head. You mean kill him? This is what revolution looks like, Bell. We'll send you what we have on him. So we see Clea in a very different light in this episode after this conversation with Vel. Uh, and uh, much more authoritative than we've seen her in, 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 in the minimum, the minimal screen time that she's had thus far. But apparently, you know, uh, she has serious pull with, with Luthen and, and getting this rebellion off the ground. Uh, she's not just his assistant. She seems to be calling just as many shots as, as he is. And I think the question that we take away from this, um, at least the question I have to wonder, because again, I, I wonder if she's operating independently from Luthen with instructions to kill Cassian, or if this is in fact from Luthen as well. Like, like Luthen knows, like Cassian Anders out there now, he was bought and paid for, but he's a loose end. He could expose everything. Let's get rid of him. So I want to know if she's acting on her own or if this is with Luthen's, Luthen's blessing. Uh, because it does seem interesting to me that that Luthen would want Andor killed after the big recruiting, recruiting push that he gave him. Uh, it, it seems to me that these two need to have another conversation <laughs> about everything and, and kind of get on the same page here. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious if, if Kalia's ask, acting on her own or if this is straight, like Luthen's blessing is all over this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious how this is all shaping up or if, 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 you know, if Clea's just sort of like the, in charge of security. So she's like, well, this guy's out here running around. It was all about Luthen. So he's got to go. Uh, so now it's, we find ourselves in a very interesting position for Cassian, uh, as, as we're about to talk about his part of the story here, because... Cassian's still wanted by the Empire, uh, but now he's wanted by the Rebellion, too. So he's about to find himself in quite the pickle. I, I want to go back, since we brought up Luthen once again, uh, to the conversation that he and Mon are having uh, in the, the antique shop at the beginning of the episode. Again, I thought it was another really exceptionally done scene uh, between Genevieve O'Reilly and, uh, and, and, and our team here. I'm sorry, Genevieve O'Reilly and, and Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, and I like the way that they sort of are, are choosing their words in a very cautious manner, just in case this ISB guy can hear anything outside, the ISB driver that she has. Uh, the sort of play acting going on with, uh, uh, with, with Luthen's gesticulations, his wild kind of flamboyant motions, you know, the, 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 the way he sort of carries himself as the purveyor of these antiquities. Uh, but meanwhile, they're talking about very serious things. Uh, I thought that was an exceptionally well-done scene, and I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, a really good sequence here. So yeah, let's go ahead and talk about Cassie now in that pickle that he's in. And 
yeah, I mean, let's just talk about it, okay? So Cassian's returning to Ferex. Uh, he learns that he's been blamed for the Imperial presence now on the planet. Bix wants nothing to do with him. And and uh, more surprisingly, uh, Marva, his his adopted mother, uh, is now inspired by the heist to join the Rebellion. And she, she sort of rebuffs his his efforts to try and get her and B2 Emo to leave, for all of them to leave together now. he's He's got this score that she doesn't ask questions about, and he doesn't offer any insight to the, his role in the heist at Alhani. Um, but we, we find out that, that Marva has become inspired by the actions of these rebels against the Empire, and now she wants to be a part of it. And, and you know, we, 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 we kind of fasten this in around Cassian having flashbacks to when his adopted father, Clem, uh, is, is killed by the Empire. Uh, you know, shot, possibly wounded at one point, and then hung in the in the town square on on Ferrix. And we we see that. And and Clem didn't do anything. Clem was you know was trying to be the peacemaker there. He's trying to get the citizens of of Ferrix to not throw rocks and stones and mud at the Imperial troopers as they walk through the town square. Uh, but guilty by association is, is is sort of how the Empire viewed it. And and so we see shots of 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 Cassian as a child. Uh, or as a younger person, at the very least, uh, uh, seeing his, his adoptive father's frozen body hanging in the square uh, and, and attempting to charge a, a recklessly charge a group of stormtroopers who obviously don't kill him, but I'm sure they uh, beat him and humiliate him pretty badly. And then perhaps that's when he gets sent to one of those prison camps he refers to uh, in, you know, a couple of episodes ago. There, there, there would definitely be consequences of, of trying to assault a group of stormtroopers at, at a certain point. But what's in, what I think is most interesting, again, it, this episode had a pretty quick turnaround uh, from our previous episode. So there hasn't been a lot of time elapsed since the heist and, and sort of the fallout. Like, it's all kind of happening very, very quickly. So so Cassian is not uh, – he hasn't really been affected by the people that he lost around him. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't read Nemec's Manifesto. He hasn't uh, necessarily softened his – uh, his own belief in his in, in, in his own prioritizing of, of his self interests and his self preservation for the greater good of something bigger than himself. Although those kind of platitudes that that Luthen was talking to him about in the first episode, uh, he hasn't bought in. He's not in all yet. Not in all yet. I should put more spaces in between the words. And and again again he he hasn't read Nimick's manifesto. He's not thinking in those terms right now. He's trying to go back to his old life. He's trying. To th- he, he thinks he's got this money now, and he has access to a ship, uh, and then that he now has freedom. And what we're going to find out, and what he learns by the end of this episode, there is no freedom in the galaxy right now. The, with the Empire in existence, its boot is felt everywhere. You know, after after you know, reluctantly leaving of uh, uh, Ferrix after after Marva says that she won't go with him that B2 Emo won't go with him, that they're staying and they're going to try to organize rebellion, I would presume on Ferex. Um, he leaves and he, he goes on, makes himself, uh, uh, heads to a nice cozy looking beachside resort on the planet Niamo, which, uh, hey, I like seeing new planets. It's exciting. And it seemed like a, it was, it was interesting to see like a Star Wars beach resort planet. Like, uh, you know, you hear about them in the, in the, in the books or the comics or whatever, uh, but actually getting to see one on the, on the screen was kind of fun. And, it was it was kind of cool because it had sort of like a, a like a like a I don't know kind of like a like a whalesy vibe to it you know like, like 
You ever seen those beaches in Wales? Kind of kind of look like those. You know, something something like that, at least to me, in my mind. I don't know. It had a very English beach feel to it in, in my man in my uh estimation. Uh, and yeah, and we see you know, he's trying to live like live this life. He has a new alias and he's just trying to go about his business. He he describes himself as a tourist, but things are happening on this planet. Like the disaffected are are, are you know, trying to live their lives, you know, the, the people who don't, the haves and the have-nots, right? He's trying to live as a have now, but the have-nots are still doing have-not things. They're, they're robbing, they're stealing, they're trying to live under under the, the watch of the empire. And, uh, you know, a gaggle of, of young people look like they maybe have stolen some stuff from the empire. The empire pursues. Cassian tries to stay out of it, but, you know, Cassian doesn't really carry himself as a have. You know, he doesn't look like the uh, beach resort kind of person. And again, he sort of gets it's, it gets uh, profiled for that. And and, and yeah, the stormtrooper asking him is like, "Well, why are you sweating? Were you running?" And he's like, "No, it's hot." <laughs> and the stormtrooper has got no time for it. Just labels this guy a, a malcontent. He's with these people clearly because he's sweating on a hot summer day at the beach resort, and and he gets lumped in with them and, and gets choked out by an SO droid. Uh, very very familiar. Wonderful scene of reintroducing the, the the SO droids as you see one bounding up the stairs with with two of these uh, uh, uh I don't know street toughs I don't want to call them rebels we don't know what they were doing yet they, I'm assuming they're thieves of some sort uh, and 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 just kind of tossing them around very casually I really enjoyed seeing the SO droids at work here uh, so so a really fun sequence um, <laughs> and and Andor gets arrested. And now, because of his actions on Aldhani, where something that was previously a six-month offense is now a six-year jail sentence. And and he's in big, big trouble as the episode ends. And again, he doesn't really realize that it's his actions that have caused these ramifications because he's still just thinking about himself. He's, he's, he's just solely focused on the here and now for himself, and he's about to pay the price for it. Now, how far do we go? Do we make it to another prison planet? Do we Do we make it to... Uh, uh, does he? Does Vel catch up with him first? Intercept him before he gets off this planet? I guess we're gonna have to find out on next week's installment. But it's it's a really uh, thrilling and and and, and humorous. <laughs> Let me go ahead and play that that clip from from between uh, Cassian under his alias and and the SO droid. Hang on. Let me cue that up right now. Wait, wait. What is he? No, this is crazy. Hang on to this one for me. I want to check the shelter. <laughs> He said, "No, no, 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 no! You misunderstand. No, he, he meant what? No, no, he means what? Tell him! Tell him you mean what?" So actually a rather amusing bit right there. And I miss I, I'm, I slipped up. It's the, they're not SO droids, they're KX units. I know that, I just, I slipped, sorry, my bad. My bad friends, I apologize for that very, very much. But yeah, now uh, again, Andrew's gonna find himself in a position where he's about to get sentenced to six years in a, a Imperial prison facility. That's not gonna be good for anybody. So what is to happen next? We'll have to find out next week on episode eight of Andor. And we'll be here to cover it that day as well, just like we have been right now. So let's go ahead. Again, I love this episode. It's really a strong episode of the show. I was worried that they might you know, take their foot off the gas too much on this one. Uh, but it's it's so compelling. 
it's so interesting. The characters are are. I'm I'm curious about all of them, even the ones who are the quote unquote bad guys. I'm 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 interested in what's going on with them. I want to see how things uh, work out, shake out for them. How they're going to connect the dots on on all the different uh, elements that are floating about out there for for them to. Uh, again, I want to see how Karn's going to interact with Miro, and all this ties into Cassian and Luthen and Mon Mothma, and like all this stuff. It's this wonderful uh, tapestry is coming together here, and and again, we're starting to we're starting to see it, the the threads tighten together as these these characters kind of come in closer and closer orbit of one another. Uh, and I'm, I'm just I just can't wait to see more of it. It's going to be really really exciting stuff. So I want to thank you all so so much for checking out this episode of the show. Another reminder to please follow us on social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Please be sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing, and following the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. If you'd like to support the show with some sweet, sweet, sweet five-star reviews, we would be so, so grateful. They help make sure that we are not simply a cog in the machine, and we are an individual with our high-up collars. <laughs> like, like Cyril Karn. No, I don't like that. I don't pop my collar. Don't do that. That's not my thing. But the five-star reviews are nice. We truly appreciate those. Uh, if you'd like to support the show with some of your hard-earned uh, shekels, we can do that too. You can become an official member of Mando, uh, of Buckethead Nation, a Mandovision maniac, if you will, at patreon.com forward slash Mandovision. You can join the maniacs and gain access to sweet, sweet, sweet bonus content. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspinel Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail, Jeff host on the Ring and Ear, a great music podcast, so check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pride Brewing Company in Baltimore, Maryland, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops, the Silent Assassin, he who should not be named, and of course, Syndicate Ram, co-host of Come On, It's So Good, a great movie podcast that I recommend so very, very highly. All right, my friends, we're going to wrap this up. We'll be back next week for more and or talk. Keep your bucket on. And remember, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I find that answer vague and unconvincing.